Hey, this is Burke. And I swear sometimes it's so listener discretion is advised. Hey, it's the first Monday of October, so you know what that means? It's the beginning of spooky season. In this month, we're going to discuss a monster to put in your game for the every Monday for the month of October. I might have time to record a bonus episode for Halloween, but play that one by ear. Our first creepy crawly for the month of October is going to be the doppelganger. In this episode, we're going to discuss how the doppelganger fits in a tabletop role-playing setting. Also, where it originates in folklore. My family also has a doppelganger story, which I'll be sharing here. And lastly, I'll be talking about some ghost stories I have personally. I said in the end of last episode that I do live with a ghost that's in my house that's been kind of following us around for a while. But I will be saving that story for the end of the episode because not everybody's here for the personal stories and stuff. So I completely understand. So let's start with what is a doppelganger in a tabletop role-playing setting. For this, I will be opening up the 5th edition Monster Manual book to page 82. All right, we'll cover the description of the doppelganger from the 5th edition Monster Manual. Doppelgangers are devious shapeshifters that take on the appearance of other humanoids, throwing off pursuit or luring victims to their doom with misdirection and disguise. Few creatures spread fear, suspicion, and <laughs> deceit better than doppelgangers. Found in every land and culture, they can take on the guise of any individual of any race. Stealing Secrets A doppelganger's adopted form allows it to blend into almost any group or community, but its transformation doesn't impart languages, mannerisms, memory, or personality. Doppelgangers often follow or capture creatures they intend to impersonate, study them, and probing their minds for secrets. A doppelganger can read a creature's surface thoughts, allowing it to glean the creature's name, desires, and fears, along with a few scattered memories. A doppelganger impersonating a specific creature as a part of a long-term plot might keep its double alive and close at hand for weeks, probing the victim's mind to learn how they behave and speak authentically. Hedonistic swindlers. Doppelgangers work alone or in small groups, with group roles shifting from con to con. While one doppelganger takes place of a murdered merchant or noble, the others take on a number of identities as circumstances warrant, playing the parts of family or servants while they can live off of the victim's riches. Changelings. Doppelgangers are often too lazy or self-interested to raise their young. They assume attractive male forms and seduce women, leaving them to raise their prodigy. A doppelganger's child appears to be a normal member of the mother's species until it reaches adolescence, at which point it discovers its true nature and is driven to seek out its own kind to join them. All right, that's the blurb from the Monster Manual. All right, now let's talk a little bit about this dude's stat block. A doppelganger is a medium monstrosity shapeshifter, and it's neutral. Medium means it's regular human humanoid height. It has an armor class of 14, and its hit points are 8d8 plus 16. Average being 52. It has a speed of 30 feet. It has a strength of 11, a dex of 18, a con of 14, an intelligence of 11, a wisdom of 12, and a charisma of 14. Its skills are deception plus 6, insight plus 3. It's immune to being charmed. It has dark vision for 60 feet and a passive perception of 11. It speaks common and it's a challenge rating 3 with it being worth around 700 XP if you're doing XP. 
It has the shape changer ability. The doppelganger can use its action to polymorph into a smaller medium humanoid it has seen or back to its true form. Its statistics other than size are the same in each form. Any equipment it is wearing or carrying isn't transformed and it reverts to its true form if it dies. Ambusher. The doppelganger has advantage on attack rolls against any creature it has surprised. Surprise attack. If the doppelganger surprises a creature and it hits with an attack during its first round of combat, the target takes an additional 10 or 3d6 damage from that attack. Now we'll go down into its actions. The doppelganger has multi-attack. The doppelganger makes two melee attacks. Its melee attack being slam, which is weapon attack plus six to hit with a reach of five feet. One target, its average hit is seven or 1d6 plus four bludgeoning damage. Keep in mind if your doppelganger has equipment though, you could actually use a regular attack with that too. Just keep that in mind. Its last ability is read thoughts. The doppelganger magically reads the surface thoughts of one creature within 60 feet of it. The effect can penetrate barriers, but three feet of wood or dirt or two feet of stone, two inches of metal, or a thin sheet of lead blocks it. While the target is in range, the doppelganger can continue to read its thoughts as long as the doppelganger concentration isn't broken, as if it's concentrating on a spell. While reading the target's mind, the doppelganger has advantage on wisdom, insight, or charisma, deception, intimidation, and persuasion checks against the target. All right, that is the full monster manual section of the doppelganger. Now keep in mind, this thing is impersonating another creature or person. So if that target had equipment of any kind, you're actually going to be buffing the doppelganger. Let's say this doppelganger has murdered a powerful noble in its sleep. It might have access to some crazy magical weapons and I can't forget armor as well. So an unequipped version of this thing, I would leave at a CR3. It does make sense for a third level party to deal with this thing. However, personally, I would buff this thing and I would give it equipment. Frankly, I think the 11 intelligence this thing has is actually too low. Something we haven't discussed quite yet in the podcast is that the base intelligence for a regular human being is only 10. So this thing having 11, it's a little bit smarter than a human as it is. But if it's something that needs to watch and mimic and learn from what the person is, I'd almost bump this thing up to a 12. I probably wouldn't go much higher than that, though. If you were introducing this thing into like a late game part of your game, I'd probably, I would definitely buff its health. I would definitely buff its stats depending on what level you're implementing this thing at. But personally, I don't think you're going to have this thing actually attack your party, at least not directly. Where this thing works the best is actually from the shadows. So let's build some scenarios for this doppelganger. I was actually going to use the doppelganger for a future episode discussing about what you do when you have party members out for a session, especially if you know that they are going to be out of the session ahead of time. So for this, we'll consider that the, your players have been playing for a while say they're level five, they've done some adventures and people know who they are and they're out there living the murder hobo lifestyle and they're going town to town. Well, they roll up into this town and they are stopped by a guard. Well, one of the party members is stopped by a guard and the guard looks to the party member and goes, Roger, where the hell have you been? Desertion is a hangable offense, man. What the fuck were you thinking? The party member looks to the guard and goes, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not Roger. I'm uh, fine. Sven. 
And the you'd have to roll like a persuasion check there probably to make sure that they would know. But I would say it with disadvantage because Roger has been living this life for you to what say like a month or two. So this guard has no reference of Sven at all. So let's have the party roll off at disadvantage and the dude's going to get locked up because He's just a deserter. Now, Sven is going to be out for the next session, but you also have this part where your party now has to go figure out that there's a doppelganger impersonating Sven in your group. But you can also have the doppelganger have already moved on. So maybe you have this doppelganger that's just ahead of the party and it's in the process of just ruining their lives, like taking loans, you know, getting jobs with like the military and stuff and deserting, just ruining the reputation at every turn. Hell, the doppelganger might even be the guard chief at that time and the party wouldn't even know so the doppelganger could just be locking the dude up right after he's impersonated him personally if i'm running this creature i'm not going to be immediately attacking the party i'm going to go around and ruin their lives all right i got another one so your party's been doing fight pits on the side for money Let's say the payout's a little too much for them to pay out right away. In typical fashion, the party's just going to go party it off that night. Well, the doppelganger saw the fight, saw that the party won, saw who won, goes and goes into the bar and figures out who they are. In the morning when they're sleeping it off, the doppelganger goes in and collects the gold that they were promised from the winnings and then disappears. Now, when the party gets up and was like, hey, where's our money? Oh, you already collected it. Now, if you want to get even more devious with this, the place where this creature really fits in is this thing killing one of your NPCs that's a adventuring companion. And remember, it has things where it's not going to completely copy the person all correctly. But if it already has like a some issues going on with the character, it's not going to be as obvious to your players until it's a little too late. They might go, oh, there's something wrong with Ricky over there, but they haven't quite figured out what's going on with Ricky. And the doppelganger is going to be smart enough to make something up because it's an adventuring companion. It, like you don't necessarily know everything about Ricky, especially if you didn't grow up with him. But if one of your party members grew up with Ricky, I would give them advantage on insight checks because it's like, well, I grew up with a person, so I should know everything about them for the most part, right? I hope that gave you a little bit of insight how to run one of these things in your game. This thing is only going to fight when it has to, but this enemy is not the kind of thing that's going to just go out looking for a fight. All right, let's talk about where this thing derives from folklore. See, the fear of the other has been a thing in human history forever, but the name doppelganger actually originates from German and it means double walker. Pretty much every culture has a version of a, the doppelganger. In ancient Egyptian, it's called Ka. In Scandinavian folklore, it's called the Vardoger. I'm probably mispronouncing that and I'm sorry if I am. I'm trying to find a better pronunciation thing for that, but some of them are pretty terrible. One of the last ones I'm actually going to talk about is from Irish folklore. It's called Fetch. Oh, it's so Fetch. What is Fetch? Oh, it's like slang from England. Sorry, I couldn't help it. So this thing differs quite different from its folklore counterpart. See, the doppelganger in folklore actually is kind of a harbinger of doom or death. It's extremely bad luck to run into your doppelganger, apparently. They're also more ghostly in appearance, apparently. Often a doppelganger in folklore is depicted as an apparition of a living person, and usually they see them right before they die. There's a handful of these from history, but I'm only going to talk about a couple of them. Abraham Lincoln actually had a couple doppelganger sightings himself. Apparently his secretary documented both incidents. For this, I'm actually going to read the document John Hayes wrote. 
It was just after my election in 1860, when the news had been coming in thick and fast all day, and there had been a great hurrah, boys, so that I was well tired out and went into rest in throwing myself down on the lounge in my chamber. Opposite where I lay was a bureau with a swinging glass upon it, and looking in that glass I saw my reflection nearly at full length, but my face, I noticed, had two different distinct images. The tip of the nose of the one being about three inches from tip to the other. I was a little bothered, perhaps startled, and got up and looked into the glass, but the illusion vanished. On lying down again, I saw it a second time, plainer, if possible, than before, and then I noticed that one of the faces was paler, say five shades, than the other. I got up, and the thing melted away, and I went off, and in the excitement of the hour, forgot all about it. Nearly, but not quite, for the thing would once in a while come up and give me a little pang as if something uncomfortable had happened. When I went home again that night, I told my wife about it, and after a few days afterwards, I made an experiment again, and while with a laugh, sure enough, the thing came back again. But I never succeeded in bringing the ghost back after that. Though I tried once industriously to show my wife, who was somewhat worried about it, she thought it was a sign that I was to be elected a second term in office, and that paleness of one of the faces was an omen that I would not see my life through the last term. Sorry about that. Some of the English in that was a little rough, so it was a little difficult to read. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to talk about Emily Segi from France. She actually has some of the most documented doppelganger incidents throughout her life, but unfortunately, it's just a lot to cover, and this isn't really that kind of podcast. I'll just put it this way. She was fired from 19 schools, but was given glowing recommendations every time. She was a hard worker, but she was only fired due to the weird stuff around her that dealt with the doppelganger. It said whenever the, the apparition would appear, and I'm talking in class, she would grow noticeably paler, but she couldn't actually see the doppelganger herself. Her students saw the doppelganger, which was weird. I guess I ended up talking a bit more about it than I thought I was going to, so that's about as much as I'm going to talk about Emily Segi. If you want to learn more about her, I suggest you look her up. She seems like a really nice woman. It just really sucks about the circumstances around her. Well, that's it for doppelgangers. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I have my family story of doppelgangers to tell. So back in the day, my whole family did a vacation to Disney World, and we were waiting outside of this bathroom for one of the family members. I can't really remember who it was. So my dad's standing off to the side over at this pole and he's looking at the map and stuff. And he's standing next to this other bald guy. See, my dad's really self-conscious and actually cuts all the hair off his head. But he's standing next to this pole looking at this map. And my mom comes up and starts talking to the other guy. And my dad goes up and starts looking like, hey, what the fuck's going on? And the guy turns and looks at my dad and is startled because they look identical. Like they could have been twins identical. So that's my family's doppelganger story. All right. Now for the ghost story that I promised at the start of the episode. But I'm going to need to actually tell a little bit of the backstory for this. For those who don't know, I've traveled a lot in my life. I'm not going to get into all the states and stuff, but let's just say I've been across the United States more than four times. At the time, we were living on the East Coast and we were in the super old house. And I was sitting on my bed playing video games. 
at the time. I just gotten off school. I'm just hanging out and the state got a freak earthquake. It wasn't a terribly big earthquake, but it was enough that it you could tell it was an earthquake. And I heard this thing crash above me. So I'm like, oh, hell, uh, maybe a tree branch or something fell off. And so I went outside to go check and there wasn't a tree branch. So I got back inside and I'm like, do we have an attic? Because we were renters at the time and I didn't know there was an attic. And my folks didn't know there was an attic in this house. So I'm snooping around because I'm by myself and I see the outline of a door on the ceiling and it's been painted over. So I go downstairs and grab the ladder and I bring it up and I have I go in the kitchen and I grab a knife. And as I'm cutting this door open, my dad gets home and he starts freaking out because he sees me on a ladder with a knife trying to open up this like carving into the ceiling. He goes, what the hell are you doing? I got to pay for that and all this stuff. And then he sees that there's a door. And I proceed to tell him about the big noise I heard when we had the earthquake. So with his help, we get the door open and we swing it down and there's an attic in there. It had a bunch of really old stuff and a lot of it just was so desiccated. It wasn't, it wasn't worth touching, but what had fallen over was this mantle for a fireplace, big, heavy mantle, but we didn't end up taking that. What we did take was this really old chest that was in the back. Now I'm sure somebody right now is screaming, Oh my God, have you never seen a horror movie? Don't take the chest. Well, we did. We took the chest and nothing happened for almost eight years. I actually went across the country two other times without any incidents or anything. And then when we get got to moving the third time, it got damaged in the move. See, that's where I think something woke up. So at the time we were living in a two-story house and we started noticing some weird things happening. We would hear solid footsteps upstairs and it would lead into the master bathroom and then the master closet that was in the master bathroom. It even shut the door of the master closet. And we'd go up and check and make sure that there wasn't a squatter in the house or anything like that. And there never was. So one day we end up getting our dog. And you might hear him singing. You might see him on the stream sometimes. But he's, he's not the kind of dog that barks. He sings, he howls and stuff, but he never barks. And he's getting a little bit older. And he one day he runs straight upstairs when he hears the footsteps. And he goes and jumps on the bed and barks at the closed bathroom door. Now, he does this for months until he just decides he's just going to ignore it. The weird thing is, it's at different times of day, sometimes at night, and then sometimes during the day. And for a little bit, we were thinking it had something to do with the house settling and stuff, but it's a little weird that they were solid footsteps. It wasn't just one creak. And when we moved around a couple more times, it would only happen when we had two-story houses. It was really strange. And it was always the same thing and always the same thing happened. So fast forward a while and we've lived with this thing for a while and it's never it's never been harmful. It's never been scary. It just kind of minds its own business and it does its own thing. So fast forward to 2020 and I'm sitting downstairs and I'm watching a ghost show with the dog downstairs. We were watching Knock Knock Ghost. I remember the name because it's hard to forget after what happened. Now I'll say this. Because it being fire season here on the West Coast, I had all the windows and doors shut and I had the central air going just because it wasn't necessarily hot enough to run like AC or anything. It was just it was just nasty. And I have the house to myself and I'm just hanging out with the dog and we're watching this ghost show. And you know how in those ghost shows they always do. If you're here, make your presence known. And it was the theater episode 
and I'd watched a couple back to back. So I'm starting to think maybe I pissed it off because when the theater episode came on and he did that that way, all the doors in the upstairs part of the house slam shut at the same time. And the dog and I look up and we just go, what the fuck just happened? And I'm not even kidding. That's the exact words out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh crap, I need to actually go check out and make sure we don't have somebody in the house. And I look to the dog, I'm like, hey, come with me and help me look to see if there's somebody up here. And the dog won't leave the couch, he's freaked out. So I go upstairs and I go and check and there's nobody in the house. I even go and check the crawl space above in the attic and there's nothing. There's nobody. So I go downstairs and I'm like, wow, I guess we really pissed it off. Well, I'm going to stop telling my stories from there. I have another one involving our friendly ghost, but I guess I'll save that one for another date if I don't get any more ghost stories. So if you have a personal ghost story or spooky story you want to tell, feel free to reach out to me at DM Burkhart. As long as it's clean, I have no problem sharing it. If you enjoyed the episode, also feel free to reach out. This was kind of a fun episode to bring forth, you know, spooky season with. Uh, doppelgangers are kind of a scary thing for a lot of people. It's the uncanny of them and how they infiltrate people's lives. That's very spooky. I'm currently still on that hiatus from Twitch, so I'm still in the process of working out whether or not I'm going to continue using them or if I'm going to make the switch to YouTube. And lastly, if you'd like to support the show, if you could tell a friend about it, that actually helps quite a bit. And I want to thank everybody for listening and all the wonderful shout outs and everything. Oh, I want to thank Jin and Allie from Live Laugh Lore for the shout out in the last episode. If you're into Warcraft lore discussions, I highly recommend checking them out. Okay, so what are we actually going to talk about in the next episode? All right, I'm on the fence between two and I'm going to go ahead and flip a coin. All right, next week, we're going to talk about vampires and how you can use them in your game. And then in the following week, well, you'll have to wait and see. But they are incredibly fun. So I will, um, I'm not going to spoil it. Anyways, thank you all for listening and I'll catch you all later.